0: Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
1: Welcome to the Acme Packing Company podcast feed. I'm Justice Mosqueda. I'm joined here by Andy Herman. Say what's to the people, Andy.
2: Hey, uh, what's up, people? Uh, Justice, thanks so much for having me. I love doing this with you. It's great to be back chatting with you. So Andy Herman, Pack a Day podcast, Packer Report. Go follow him.
1: He's on all the social medias. Check it out. Follow his uh, YouTube page. Subscribe. Thumbs up. Did I miss anything? No, that's that 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 should do it. I appreciate it. I'm out of here. Thanks
2: so much, Justice. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk again soon.
1: I've I've gone into your streams a couple times after practice and just g- gone down there in the the comments. People se- seem to have uh, fun with it on the YouTube page. Go check out Andy's stuff. He does he does really good work. He puts the time in. He he does the work. Um, I have him here because he's actually been at training camp, unlike me, who's only seen tweets and the the illegal videos that fans are being kicked out of practice for.
2: I was going to say you've seen probably as much as me based on the the videos that I've seen out of practice so far. Um but yeah, no there's been a lot this year. I feel like in the past they've really cracked down on it and it's been like I've I've been obviously on that side of things in the past and it's not easy to to you know get video and at least it wasn't in the past. Apparently this year not an issue for people. Did you see the
1: the I think it was Schneidman
2: Oh, I was there. I saw the whole thing go down.
1: Okay, so, so that some kid – I assume it's a kid. I, maybe it's not a kid. Some person gets down on the sideline and says that he's like a video intern with the Packers. He's filming practice and – So So apparently he used a couple different
2: alibis because so he, first of all, I did see the, I saw the whole thing and cause I saw Waller's like going down here and then getting like Nagler and like, why is Nagler involved in this? And then I see this guy and he shows his little badge and then he gets kicked out. And then I get the story from Aaron as well. So I think at the entrance or like when he originally talked to people, he said he was like a video intern. He had a whole fake credential and everything it looked like when i from my distance i was a distance away but it looked like certainly like it would have been like an older credential but he like apparently like faked the whole credential and then so like a i think immediately said that he was like a packers intern or something nobody knew who he was and then tried to give the alibi of like oh i'm actually with aaron nagler and she said tv so nagler comes down and nagler's like i'm not even credentialed through Cheesehead tv <laughs> So yeah, Nego um, gets into ESPN, he's smart. No, so it was it was but I mean kudos to that guy for like just the, the sheer ballsiness of trying to pull that off of like going on the sideline, taking video and pictures, and saying that he's a credential media member. And then I mean it was unreal. It was awesome. I
1: have a fun uh I'm telling the Packers fans right now, I promise we're gonna talk about what happened on the field in training camp, but I do have one funny story. So when I was with the XFL, right mm-hmm. in this would have been, this would have been 2019. So we had, we called them showcases. They were basically just regional combines right at at the eight different city sites. Um, The first one was in New York. It was at some small college. I can't remember, but it was supposed to be like New York city's regional combine. The, the first person to go up was a guy that snuck in. So the first 40 time that was ever recorded in like XFL (laughs) history was like a I think he was like a 190 pound linebacker from like a D3 school, and he ran like a five three or something like that. And mind you, i'm working in so I'm working in scouting, but like half the time I'm focusing on analytics and our databases and stuff like that. So I'm waking up on the west coast. they're running this early morning east Coast, and the first number I see on the sheet is this 190 pound linebacker who's running a four47, <laughs> and it's the first combine, mind you. So I'm like, oh my god, guys, we're we're all gonna get fired. We're we're <laughs> not doing our job. And then I had to get the the answer out of Eric Galco, who now runs the uh, the Shrine Game or Shrine right. Bowl, sorry. And uh, he was like, yeah, some dude snuck in. <laughs> and I was like, amazing. So if anyone thinks that anytime you hear these like, this sport is dying, like the f- football is trending away, people are doing this to get XFL combine numbers. People are doing this to get film. Yep. I'm sure not good film from Packers yeah, sure. practices. Like
2: I I joked, uh, I tweeted after or quote tweeted Schneidman's tweet and said, Big B, this is getting ridiculous. You've got to stop. <laughs> like uh, the whole thing's been amazing. Just a
1: big B. Um yep. Okay. Packers training camp. Yeah. Let's start with Jordan Love. It, is he the second coming or fire everyone? Those are the only two options, apparently.
2: Yeah, apparently it's a little bit in the eye of the beholder too, because I've talked to people and obviously the, I know a lot of people watched, you know, Rob on ESPN, um, you know, kind of talk about a little bit and um, I've seen other people post that he's having good camp. I've seen other people post that he's having a bad camp. So I think it's just a, a little bit in the eye of the beholder. I, you know, to go back to kind of what Rob was saying. So for, let, let's just start here. First day of practice was pretty tough, right? So a couple of completions wasn't a terrible day, but had four opportunities down the field, in my opinion, could have hit all four, And he missed all four. And like, that's one, that's the first it's first day. First time as a starter, all that stuff. You're willing to give some accident forgiveness on the first day. That's, that's it. It was a tough day overall. I think for Jordan on that day, second day, he comes back and I forget what the number was, but like the number looks atrocious. He's like six of 17 with like two touchdowns and an interception, something of that ilk. And, I actually really liked that day from Jordan. The interception was a deflected ball by Jair, who made a fantastic play, a a contested throw, maybe one that Jordan would like to have back, but nothing egregious. And more, more than anything, it probably should have just been batted down by Jair, but the ball ricochets up in the air. It's intercepted by Devondre. One of those classic Aaron Rodgers type interceptions where it like probably shouldn't have, you know, didn't deserve to be picked, but of course was somehow. Um, so in classic Packer quarterback form, that, that was what happened to, to Jordan on the play. But the the touchdown pass on that day to – um, you know, to to Christian Watson in the corner of the end, it was just, I mean, beyond perfect, a phenomenal throw uh, that Watson waxed poetic about in, in the after-practice scrum about how perfect it was, and I thought there were a lot of really good decisions on that day from Jordan, even though things didn't go according to plan, I thought he threw the ball away in a couple instances where he should have thrown the ball away, you know, a couple plays where he threw it only where his, his, his guy could get it, and if not, it was just going to fall harmlessly and complete, so I didn't, I, and I thought it was a step in the right direction, didn't hate the day, and I thought, then there there was that, you know, well, the walkthrough and then the Saturday practice, which everyone was glowing about how it was the best practice that anyone's ever seen from Jordan. He hits the, you know, the double move throw to, to Samurai Touré, he has a couple other really phenomenal throws through the course of the day, really nice completion percentage. And then um this week, it's been, I, I think, a little bit I would almost argue just like nondescript, right? So I don't, I don't think he's thrown or he threw the, I forget which day it was, but the one day he had the two minute drill where the very first pass he threw directly to Quay Walker, Quay, Quay dropped it. To me, that was the only real, like if we're grading like turnover worthy plays from Jordan Love, we're now seven practices in six competitive practices in. That's the only one that I would probably grade egregiously as like a clear and obvious, you know, interceptable turnover worthy play. There's a couple other ones that were contested. One little quick hitch to to Romeo where maybe Razul could have made a quicker jump on it and maybe had a chance at a pick, but it was more of a contested batted ball situation. But outside of that, I don't think he's really thrown the ball into danger at all, which is something we saw in OTAs and mini camps where he was kind of throwing up some hero balls from time to time. I feel like he's going touchdown to check down, looking down the field, seeing if he can go through his first couple of progressions, hitting some of those big plays. Taking opportunity of them when he can. When he can't, he knows where all of his checkdowns are. He has solutions to what the defense is showing him. He's scrambled when he's you know capable of scrambling and needs to scramble. But even before that, he's keeping his eyes downfield when doing so to see if something opens up. And if not, then he'll take off. Today was a fourth and ten play, and he took off scrambling and, and picked up a first down on fourth and ten, where he legitimately I think would have got the first down on the play. And you know, overall, like. I think there's there's probably a couple times where you'd like to see him maybe maybe try to get the ball downfield a little bit more and maybe try to, th- you know, throw some receivers open a little bit. I don't think it's been perfect, but I like the process. I like the decision making. And I do think overall with, what you know, kind of what Rob was talking about, the offense has struggled. And the offense uh, today, they finally won and the defense had to do their punishment at the end of the day. Even that was like the the number two offense won. The number one technically did not. They had a couple of minute offense drills and they won two of the three in a kind of a non, you know, kind of they just needed to pick up a first down. So it wasn't like they moved a mountain or anything. Um, So I do think the defense has been well ahead. And I, I, you know, part, that's obviously always going to fall a little bit on the quarterback shoulders. And I don't think that, you know, a lot of people are used to that in Green Bay where it's not the offense just kind of dominated and stuff. So I, I personally am more bullish on what I've seen from Jordan so far. Like I said, has it been perfect? No. Does he need to grow in some areas? Yes. But I'm really uh, happy with what I've seen from the processing and just going through his progressions and not forcing the ball and, and just kind of taking what's given to him. And that that's really been a positive for me so far. Yeah, I'm. I'm not
1: surprised that one the defense is ahead because if you if you've been around football oh, practices, anytime yeah. that you've been in the summer, anything at at any level, the defense usually is going to be ahead at this point. Yep. Especially if you're running any sort of passing game, um, agreed. Beca- just because of the chemistry and all that stuff. Um, and then I'm also not surprised that it's you know Jordan Love just kind of running the offense and taking what the defense gives to him and there's going to be a decent amount of checkdowns where you're like, oh, thank God he didn't force that, right? Yeah. Like, that's kind of what you want to see, especially, I mean, it's August of his first year as a starter. Like, he's going to get plenty, plenty of runway. The one question I want answered, how much zone read are are they actually running in practice? Because I've seen them do it in games when when Jordan's been out there, right, even mm-hmm. in the preseason and stuff like that. Today I just saw um, this video of Henry Pearson, uh, the the fullback. Yeah, and he was working by himself. I don't know if it was your video. I can't. I can't remember. It could have been yours. Um, I saw it on Twitter. But that he was vaguely. off. He was off to the side practicing by himself. And what he's clearly trying to block is an arc read, which is like, I'm like pistol option brain. So like, I always look at like those like Nevada Kaepernick teams. Like I just think they, they they figured it out. Like they figured out how you can run out of the shotgun downhill runs not tell the defense which side the running back is going to be on and one of the things that they did was zone arc and and basically what it is is you know you get one of these offset um backs in the backfield like when Josiah DeGuar is back there and split back gun and stuff like that and you you kind of have two options right you can kick out that end man on the line of scrimmage right or yeah. you can read option it and then bounce that thing out and your lead blocker for the quarterback and. That's a really hard thing for those edge rushers, defensive ends, three, four outside linebackers, whatever, to handle. And I just thought it was interesting. He was working on it himself because I'm like, you don't rep that unless you're planning on putting that guy on the field and and running some zone, running enough zone read stuff that like, he actually has to rep that. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. I,
2: I can't recall that they've run any of it necessarily with the the fullback on the field. They did some like classic I formation stuff in practice yesterday. And like, I think actually Pearson was like first reps with the first team. Like he got in there and they, they ran some legitimate fullback stuff. Um, but they have run some read option with Jordan and, and I uh, actually, I think Magoo got, maybe it was Atling. one of the two um got a, a couple of it as well on uh what they were on Wednesday they ran three read option plays the offense did I think maybe two with Jordan one with Atling or Magoo or maybe it's the other way around um the yeah, defense was, these quarterbacks can run by the way I don't yes think they can an accident like, yeah no I don't think so either uh they the defense stuffed it every single time like they were on it and I'm like and that would have been nice in some of those Colin Kaepernick games, but I digress. Uh, But they were all over it a million percent. I was like, this, this is very, very well played. And then today they ran one and Tyler Davis got out front blocking and he, I, I think it was Inigbari and Davis just owned him. And the was praising him after the plays like, Hey, TD, hell of a play, you know, so on and so forth. But um you know, Jordan got outside and it was probably like a 15, 16 yard pickup on the play. So that was uh, a positive to see, but like, I think it is a, and and who knows what they actually want to do with it. Right. It could be something that they want to do more and they just don't want to show a ton of it when it's actually open. But um, they've, it's more of like a, a, a small piece of the offense that clearly they want to show from time to time more than like, It's not something I don't think that's a base concept of their offense. Yeah, I I don't think they're going to be be Baltimore
1: Baltimore or anything. No, exactly. That's not what I'm thinking.
2: But definitely a wrinkle here and there where I think if you said they showed it two, three, like I would say probably two times a game, that wouldn't surprise me at all.
1: Yeah. It's interesting because I don't know. I know on paper what Love is supposed to run like a 4-7, but he's a long strider. Like I get why you would want a guy like that on the edge. Um, He's –
2: he's Aaron in his prime, like Aaron in his prime was a four, seven guy. And I think people forget like with the recency bias of Aaron, not having the legs anymore. Like when Aaron was in his prime, like he would like, he could take off and he'd pick up huge chunks of yards. Like I, he's very similar in speed, in my opinion, to what Aaron was when he was younger. Let's talk about the offensive line. So the recent thing, right. I mean,
1: all summer it's been like, okay, who's going to start at right tackle? Who's going to start at right tackle? Is it going to be Nyman? Is it going to be Zach Tom? They keep flip-flopping them, all that stuff. Um, What was it yesterday or the day before? I can't yesterday. remember. <laughs> uh, Josh Myers got subbed out on the first team offense for Zach Tom, who had played center, you know, at the college level. Zach Tom has played everywhere at this yeah. point. Right. Um, And then today, Thursday, um, You know, LaFleur comes out and says, you know, they want a little bit more consistency at the center position. Mind you, I think Myers, from the tweets that I saw, had like two fumbled exchanges, two or three fumbled exchanges with the backup quarterbacks once he got moved down to the second team uh, yesterday. So that would have been on Wednesday. Um, How legit do we think this is? Because the X factor, I guess, is David Bakhtiari, right? right? Bakhtiari being able to play left tackle full time. He's on a, uh, I believe LaFleur called it a modified schedule. Basically, he's practicing every
2: other day. Is yeah. He's he's doing right now in training camp. Um, and limited in the practices that he is in, I would yeah. say, as well. Like, he's not even playing the full practice, which is fine. He looks awesome when he's in there. So I'm not concerned about that at all. It's just, can't he came on the handle- field last year. It, w-
1: it wasn't an issue either. So I'm, no, I agree. I'm, agreed. I'm uh, not too so worried about that. But my, my question is... So, like, okay, if Bakhtiari's out, obviously you got to have Tom and Nyman play tackle. Yeah. But if Bakhtiari's in, do you think it's a, a real competition between Tom and Myers? Because if you, gun to my head, you make me choose between Tom, Nyman, and Myers, and you say, you know, we're getting our best five on the field. Who are the two best players out of that group of three? Myers isn't making that cut. I'm sorry. Um, and And maybe he becomes a better football player. I know last year was his first year as a starter and that second year is really where we'd like to see that jump because Myers was all banged up his, his uh, rookie year, but I don't know. I'd like to see the competition. I I, do too. I'd
2: like to see it. I think that's the first and most important thing is I think, I think, you know, that the competition with Myers is needed. Like he needs to be pushed and it needs to be put in his head that this is real and legitimate. And I do think it is. Um, I would start by saying to me, Zach Tom is the fourth best offensive lineman of the six. So like, I, I, I can't make an argument where, like, he should not be on the field in one of those spots.
1: Do you have JRJ J. over him? I'm trying to I, the list of I do, but, like, if you want to put I, Tom I think, ahead, I think I do too. I JRJ J. is being underrated by everyone. I, I agree. He, I totally agree. So, yeah, he's a
2: really good card. I agree. If you, if somebody wants to put Tom ahead of JRJ, that's fine. But I would do, I would do Bakhtiari Jenkins and then whatever order you want to put those two, but probably Bakhtiari Jenkins and then Runyon and then Zach Tom would be my top four in that order. But, um, to me, Tom is four and he's one of the two starters. So then it comes down to, like I said, do you want Yash at right or do you want Josh at center? I, I, I don't have this, uh, like, large of an opinion of Yash of or, or Myers, like which one I would ultimately go with. The one thing that I talked about yesterday on my show is that the one thing that would maybe make me go towards the Josh Myers way is that Josh is actually under contract, was a second round pick, and I do think might have a slightly higher ceiling than Yash, where Yash is Probably gone after this year would be my guess. I think some team will probably pay him a starting caliber deal. Yeah, It's
1: got, it's gotta be him or something happens with the box situation. A box, right? Exactly. And then they
2: pay him And which, if that's the case, maybe, and and, and maybe you just start him because of that. But um, ultimately I do think they're just going to get their best five, the, the classic Matt LaFleurism on the field. Um, but I, I, I would go probably with Myers to start and then Yasha or and, and Tom at right, but have a super short leash. For, for Myers, but I'm so glad. I don't, I honestly don't care which way they go with it between Yash and Myers. I'm just so glad that there is a legitimate competition. I've been probably harsher on Myers than I think almost anyone over the last two years, specifically last year. Like I was kind of fine with his rookie year. I'm right like, there with you, buddy. I, I'm, I'm like, like, yeah, it like, might this be is... you and me fighting this alone. Seriously, but his rookie year, I'm like, all right, for a rookie, like this is this is fine, like this is okay, like as long as he takes a jump. Rookie years, if you can stick on an NFL field, that's a win. Like there are so few good NFL rookies. Totally agree. And then I'm like, yeah, he's gonna take a jump in year two, and we're gonna be golden. This is gonna be great. And then that it took a step back in year two, and I, I don't, I haven't seen anything. Better out of him so far in camp, and you mentioned I was going to ask Matt about this today. So he had two fumbled snaps. I think it was with Etling. Um, either way, it was backup quarterbacks yesterday. He's had two with Jordan already. There have been four fumbled snaps really? in training camp so far. The common denominator has been Josh Myers. He's been the center for all four of those fumbled exchanges. All four of them could been on the quarterbacks. I have no idea. I have not. I so, can't. So, get a so are these either.
1: under center or are they in the shotgun or all under center?
2: All under center all in the Dang. center, all Josh Myers. So again, it, they none of them might be Josh Myers. I have no idea, but two of them with love, two of them, I think with, with Etling and all four with Josh Myers. So um, I wanted to ask Matt about that. Unfortunately, we ran out of questions and I didn't get to it, but um, yeah, well, that's another one. I, I just, the consistency is, is clearly not there yet for Josh and it needs to get there. So that's the position that has been the most
1: interesting like that like i've moved my predispositions on coming into not just training camp but like the off season. yeah is that like this is actually a competition because i just assume they're just going to give myers the job because he's a second round pick and they're just going to let him grow because i mean honestly the entire I, maybe it's the mccarthy era but like in the mccarthy era josh myers doesn't get get pushed for a, a his no. job you know what i mean like that's i totally uh, agree it's kind of how this is operated for like Fifteen years or whatever. Um, elsewhere on the offensive line, I wanted to ask you about this guy, Sean Ryan. So I, I think knew you were gonna was, ask. I knew who you were
2: gonna ask before you even said it. Nice. Go ahead.
1: Um, Ryan Wood, uh, Green Bay Press Gazette, uh, tweeted out that like he watched, uh, you know, defensive line, offensive line, one on ones. You know, obviously they're going on at the same time as wide receiver DB, so yeah. he's not able to watch both of them. He's kind of switching every other day, but that when he watched Ryan, he went eight and zero. Oh in the one-on-ones over the last two times that he's seen them down there. And yeah. guard is a really interesting position right now to me because there's so few of them on the roster. I mean, you look at center even, right? And I know Jake Hansen is hurt. Um, There was hurt. He had his, his elbow issue. Um, They have four centers on the roster. They have eight tackles on the roster, and they only have four guards. And, you know, if, if you're going to get – um, I mean, I – so Newman's hanging around, and then I guess you know Myers maybe be would be able to play guard. I know he played there at Ohio State for a little bit, yep. um, but there's not a whole lot of depth there. And the other guy Sean Ryan, you know, the third round pick from last year who uh, ended his season on PED suspension. It's not going to impact him this upcoming year, but obviously didn't have the the rookie campaign that he wanted. Um, you know, got jumped in the lineup uh, or at least in the pecking order with everyone. Yeah. Um, and he was just kind of a guy who he didn't make a lot of noise even in the preseason last year and camps last year, but apparently he's been doing well now. Like, what what are you seeing out of him?
2: Yeah, I think so. In, in OTAs and mini camps, the big play, I remember he got he got beat for a bad holding penalty on what should have been a touchdown play. And I'm like, oh, man, here we go again with Sean Ryan. I do think he's been much more solid in training camp so far. I've been watching wide receivers versus uh corners on that end of things so I haven't seen him in the one-on-ones, but I do know he has been 8-0 the last two days from a couple different reports. Um now all of those were against Colby Wooden, a rookie. Uh so take that, it's not like he went against, you know, Clark and Wyatt over and over, but still he's 8-0, which is impressive. And you can just tell he's in, like last year he came into camp it was not in great shape. Like you could immediately tell. And like you can tell he's in such better shape this year and I crazy think because he tested pretty well for- I know it, it didn't so make much you're sense you're
1: in shape in February you'll be in
2: shape and in- you would think yeah. stranger things have happened though and then you know of course he has the suspension and everything but you can tell he's taking this much more seriously you can tell he's in much better shape and you can just see that some of the things that Green Bay and I'm sure you and I know when I watched him in college like I was excited when they drafted him in the third round and you can start seeing that come to fruition a little bit more now I think the big thing I'm not I don't think he's in any sort of like you know, Sean Ryan or anyone should be, or excuse me, um, uh, John Rennie Jr. Or anyone should be worried for their job right, at guard right, at this right. point, but they've also rotated him at center a, a little bit here and there. And I just think if I, when I came into the season, I'm like, this is not, this is a team that like basically every rookie makes it their rookie year, but starting second year, Kamal Martin gets cut. You know, Amari Rogers is cut third round pick in his second year. Like if they, if you're not seeing it in your second year, you're, you could be gone no matter where you were picked. And I was of the like mind of like if if Sean doesn't get this together like this is going to be short lived and it wouldn't have shocked me going into this well, they have offseason a lot of
1: depth too right like, exactly even the end of last year they were keeping eleven offensive linemen on the yeah. team and they they brought their entire they brought everyone on the offensive line back right
2: yeah so much so that they didn't even team. draft an offensive line which with thirteen picks nonetheless yeah. which never never happens right yeah so. Uh, But I went into the, you know, going into the training camp, and everything being like, man, if this doesn't get t- together, he's going to, I'm now of the mind of like, he's got a 53 spot, like pretty good. Um, And I think he's probably, you probably keep him ahead of even some guys, maybe like, you know, Newman, Hanson, et cetera, who've, who've played before simply because there's more upside there. And I think he's, um I think he's earned that so far. So we'll, we'll see what he does in preseason. I think that's going to be really big for him, but I'm just happy. He looks much, much better than he did a season ago. I don't want to bore people
1: with the offensive line talk because I'm way more into it than I know most of our listeners are. Jake Hanson, is he going to make the team? Do we no. need a second center?
2: No. Do we yeah, need yeah, a second? No, was-
1: if, if Ryan can snap and Tom can snap, do we need a do we need a second center? Because no, they have two guys who got here this week, and then Hanson, yeah, who is at the end of his rookie contract, so there's not even that much value in keeping him on the roster unless you think he's better than. Every guy who's out on the street right now. Right.
2: I don't think Hanson makes the team. I think he's, yeah. he's played enough where they've seen what they have. And I just don't, I don't think that ultimately cuts it. But I mean, the other thing too, and you were, when you were talking about the centers earlier, right? So Myers clearly can snap. He's a center. Zach Tom clearly can play center. Elton can play center. John Lennon Jr. has taken snaps as recently as yesterday. A little like it was just like emergency stuff, but he's taken yeah. snaps at center. Sean Ryan has taken snaps at center. Like those are five guys that are going to make the team. You have five guys at least that have taken snaps at center and like, if you needed to put Jenkins, Tom, or Myers there, like you're fine. So that just their versatility there. I don't think you need to keep a specific backup center on their roster.
1: Yeah, I'm 100 percent there with you. Um, pass catchers, you seen anything interesting other than you know the top three guys are getting work? I mean, I know Wicks um, just got back from his concussion. Grant Dubose is still on NFI. It seems like Luke Musgrave is getting. Like the run at tight end. And yeah. then after that, it's DeGuara, Craft, and Davis all kind of rotating in there. Is there anything that stands out as far as the pass catchers go?
2: Jaden Reed's taken a significant step from OTAs and mini camps to training camp. That's the biggest thing for me. Uh, he's had a couple drops in some situations. I know the one play where Jordan was fading away, throwing off his back foot that people saw on Twitter, like that was a gorgeous ball. That's one that he probably has to come down with. He had another play in red zone where uh, love hit him. It was a bullet pass. I think it was Rudy Ford was right on him. And, but again, a, a pass that I think, uh, you know, he could have come down with, but. He's going to make some noise. Like he has the end around jet sweep ability and like legitimate speed to make that stuff work. And like, just when, when he was in OTAs and mini camps, I'm like, oh man, there's a little bit of a Murray Rogers flavor to this. Where like, there's just, there, there wasn't much there. And then like training camp came and I'm like, oh. Okay, we're good. Like this is totally different. Nothing and counts he, before the pads come on, baby. No, for sure. And he had a he had a route today that I was like geeked up about. It was just one on ones, so you know, one on ones It's like it's so advantageous for the offense. Offense but, drill, real, baby. Yeah. And it's, it's <laughs> Aiden Reed versus Innis Gaines too. So again, let's let's temper our expectations just a little bit here. One on ones and uh, Innis Gaines in coverage, but man, he he makes a great move off the line. Great release gets like a quarter step on Innis and he looks back and he throws his hand up and he in like like hey i got this and Ennis accelerates and bam on a dime cuts it off and he knew it the whole time he was cutting it off he was coming back it was a timing route and he cut that thing off after looking back and throwing his hand up and just got turned around balls right there to him and Ennis gains is still accelerating down the field like uh, it was just gorgeous, gorgeous stuff. Like he had an awesome route. Uh Dontavian Wicks in one-on-ones too versus Keandre Thomas. He had a Devonte adams S release off the line of scrimmage. A little bit of like the, you know, shuffle step to begin with, maybe a little bit too much. Uh, but, and we'll see what the coaches, like if they're going to allow him to do some of that stuff, but a little bit of the shuffle steps and then like a hard jab and he gets the corner going and then just crosses him over breaks Keandre Thomas's ankles. And he's got five yards of separation on a slant route. And it was like, just, those were uh pretty fun to watch. So we'll see what that ultimately amounts to, but Jaden Reed has taken a huge, huge step from OTAs and many camps to training camp. In my opinion, that's and which is super exciting. That's great to hear because he's. He was
1: really interesting because he was a ball winner in college, right? But as far as the route running goes, they didn't ask him to do too, too, too much, right? Like his quarterback at MSU just transferred to Auburn where Hugh Freeze is, right? And like that's just a straight-up RPO offense if you want to put that in perspective. Um, So his development curve is really going to be something interesting for me to watch because I I I don't think he was a finished product – coming out at all, but I understand, you know, he's going to fill a role for him early on.
2: I think Fennel posted something at the senior bowl where like at the top of the route, it was in practice. It was a senior bowl practice. And at the top of the route, like he, so the ball's in the air and I'm almost positive. This is Jaden. So I I hope I'm not wrong on this one, but I'm almost positive it's Jaden, but like balls in the air and he sees the ball and it's like, it's coming down. And then he gets, he like, looks back. Adjust the corner, like adjust, like that gets like the corner off of them and then like readjusts and comes back and then like makes it gorgeous. Like just some of the stuff that he was doing from an advanced standpoint, like late in the route that like just the, the little nuances, the little like skills that it takes to separate you from like a good receiver to a great receiver, just, he's starting to show some of those things, even as far back as a senior bowl, but certainly in the practice today as well. i um, just the hand up and the eyes back and then just a quick cut, stopping on a dime. Like those are the things that excite me because um, you know, I don't know how many times I've seen that route run where you're not doing that stuff, right? You're not getting your head back. You're not putting the arm up. You're not faking them in any way. And then the corner's just all over it. They're not buying the, they're not buying the nine route or the fade route. And they're, they're immediately just sticking on your back hip. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll see, but the the speed is legit. I think he's going to, I think he's going to get some returns in preseason and it would not shock me if he housed a return in preseason. I put that prediction out there today. Seems like
1: He's going to be their punt returner, right? Because they they have Keyshawn him. And someone else returning to raised down a little bit man um, the the I don't want to get to well I guess we can go into defense a little bit but like Keyshawn is going to be returning kicks potentially returning punts working on defense full-time as a slot until at least Eric Stokes gets off of PUP and then he's dabbling in on offense not including all the other stuff he's going to do on special teams when he's not a return, like and he was the there's, first. There's no, no first way gunner. he's got to get a breather. Yeah, he's got no. to get a breather. Someone else is is going to have to handle punt returns. Like he can handle kicks, but
2: yeah. I, and he, I would argue very much that he's a much better kick returner than he is a punt returner. There were a couple yeah. times last year where like he fielded some like over his head, <laughs> like um, like it was he was going crazy for a while. Yeah, Sachi had some quotes on him where he's like, "I don't know what to tell you, man." Like he's he's the one out there. So. yeah, it yeah, I it didn't always seem natural to him as a punt returner where it did like a kick returner, you could tell immediately like, all right, this guy's a kick returner. Punt returner, he he was explosive when he got the ball in his hands, but there were a couple times he fielded it where like, oh, like that was that was an adventure. But um, it would not shock me at all if Jaden Reed ended up being the punt returner. Just to, like you said, like he's gotta get, he's gotta get a breather somewhere. And that would seem to be one where like, and then of course they'll probably use him as a jammer on those plays. Yeah. Like uh, it's just he he has a lot of hats that he's wearing at the moment. As
1: far as the defensive line goes, um, one of my biggest areas of concern, one of my biggest areas of concern, honestly, coming into the draft and then seeing that, you know, the first guy they take is, is Wooden, who is a little bit of a project player coming out of Auburn in the fourth round, and then Brooks, who, uh, I mean, tell me what you think about those guys because Brooks was a guy I didn't like very – I understand he had all the production and PFF loves him and all that stuff, but – when I watched the film of him, even against that competition, I was like, I don't know. I don't know. It's a weird defense. You're not playing against a super high, high level. Like Tucker Craft probably played some better teams at the FCS level than, than. Yeah, that's probably Brooks true. Did at,
2: Bow- at Bowling Green consistently. So what what have you seen from those guys? and Brooks had a huge day today and he's he's been good like he's been getting in the backfield very similarly to what he did well, dang, maybe I'm a dumb that's always but, open but, to possibilities <laughs> to be fair it was it's been a lot against like the number three offensive lines yeah. and things like that so it's like once it happens against you know Elton Jenkins or something you know I think then we can start taking a little bit more notice of it but he's been productive and he's been explosive getting into the backfield he penetrated on a run play the other day where Goodson was eventually able to bounce it outside but he was in the backfield immediately like those are the things that i've really liked to see and, and wooden too like there's a play today where wooden and brooks were both um right in the backfield like within seconds of like the snap like like literally a couple seconds within um the the ball being snapped like it they've they're fun players um as you know like these are more like gap penetrating um that like they're not big physical you know defensive linemen that are you know known for like holding up at the point of attack right so i i'm more intrigued as to like all right, you've got Kenny, you've got TJ, and then and Matt LaFleur did shout out Jonathan Ford today as somebody who's taking a stop. The, and you can tell he, yeah, he much, said he's trending up, which... Yeah, he's, he's his think, body uh, looks much better, too, like it did a season ago, so we'll see what that means. Uh, Ingles, Ingles said that it's hard to go down. Hard to go down, yeah. That's true. <laughs> man, they love redshirting some of those guys, right? Like the, the Jonathan Fords, the Tariq, well, Tariq played on special teams, at least the Vernon Scotts, yeah. the Alex lights, the Tim Boyles, like yeah. they, they find a couple guys every year where they're just like, we're going to keep them on the 53 and they're not going to see the field at all. And that was Jonathan Ford last year. Rasheed Walker too. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, no, I like what I've seen so far out of the two of them. I think they're in perfect spots right now is like the number four for wooden and number five for Brooks. And I think if all of a sudden one of the top three goes down, then things start to get a little bit more hairy where I don't know that you necessarily want, you know, Wooden being your three and Brooks being your four right now. But I think if they can stay at that four and five spot, I think you feel pretty good about where they're at. As far because the one through three seems pretty simple, right? It's yeah,
1: either either Clark or Slayton is going to play the nose and then whichever one doesn't is going to play end opposite of Wyatt right i mean um, he,
2: there's so much nickel too like there's going to be so yeah. much two man defensive line that yes like well that's what i was
1: going to ask is is so kenny is going to be one of them obviously is that other guy going to be slayton or white like which which one of these
2: guys is going to be playing more snaps this year? i think base nickel is going to be slayton and I think in base nickel, they want the better run defender of the two, which in my, in my opinion, I think in their opinion is is TJ, because I think they want to be a little bit more balanced. And they know that I think TJ can, with 330, can hold up better at the point of attack. And I think that's going to be what sort you of there.
1: I don't know if he's ever played that many snaps.
2: No, I that's going to be something they have to work on for sure. But I think he, I, my guess is he's still probably around like 30, which again, he, I don't know if he's ever played that many either. But like, I don't think we're going to get into like the fifty. Snap no, 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 no. I think this is going to be like thirty, and then they're going to rotate guys a bunch. Um, but yeah, I think he's going to be kind of their like their first down guy, and then if it's like second, third, and short, he'll be in there. And then if it's, I think the more obvious passing downs, I think that's where you're going to see Wyatt and and maybe some Carl Brooks and maybe some Wooden, and you know we'll see what they end up doing. But I think base nickel is going to be a little bit more Slayton than than Wyatt, but I'm sure Wyatt will see see the field as well. As
1: far as the fronts go, um, you know, everyone talks about, like, scheme on the offensive side, and I guess it's probably easier to follow because you're just following the ball. But, like, defensively, one thing I brought up, because they said, you know, at at draft time, right, after the draft, they were like, what we looked at is, you know, wide receiver, we got to add another guy, and we want to be able to brush the passer from the interior, right? And that showed up, like we said, in the selections of, of Brooks and Wooden, but also Lucas Van Ness, who can kick inside a little bit. Has yep. he been doing any of that stuff in practice at all yet, or are they just still just running basics?
2: You know, in OTAs and minicamps, I very much remember Van Ness playing inside and kicking inside. I didn't even think of it until you mentioned it right now. I can't recall Van Ness being inside lately at all. And I don't know if that's just to try to get him mastered at edge a little bit more for the time being but um, I haven't seen it lately. I, I wouldn't surprise me if they used it a little bit come come games, but the last I, – I haven't seen that, I don't think, in the last couple of weeks. But I could certainly be wrong. It's possible that I just missed it. As you know, there's a lot going on. Um, but I, I can't recall it. And like I said, I definitely saw it during OTAs and minicamp. So um, my guess is they're just focusing on, them on Edge a little bit more. But I I would be pretty surprised if they don't use it in some capacity during the season.
1: Yeah, because that that role made a lot of sense to me, even in – the short term, like if Gary comes back anytime soon, or you know, Justin Hollins and Kingsley and Iqbal are both getting uh rotated as like the starter, quote unquote, starter opposite of Preston Smith right now, too. Um, him kicking inside and kind of doing some of that Zadarius stuff on third downs. Like, if you have three outside linebackers and your third outside linebacker can do that, it's not really a problem. You could play with one interior defensive lineman in, and yeah. nickel looks and, and do some stuff with, with that in a passing situation. Um, just in, just interesting to me that they haven't done. But I guess I think Lafleur said today, right, that they're still doing their installs. Today is their last yeah. install. Yeah, so it was not it, really any of that stuff. So maybe that's something to keep an eye out. If you guys see like they're doing like third downs or something like that in, in the coming weeks. And it's like, okay, they're still not doing the pro- the packages then.
2: Well, we got, we got family night on Saturday, and then we yep. got a practice on Monday and then they take off for Cincy. And I just realized like, oh yeah, I'm not going to see any of those practices. So it's going to be a, a hot second. And then obviously we'll get the preseason game, which will help a lot. And then after that, all the games are home. So should be fine after that. But next week I'm going to be a, a little bit in the dark, like everyone else, I guess gotta follow him, see if we can get uh cheesehead tv to
1: drop a uh intern over there in yeah Cincinnati exactly right some film um as far as the back end of this team goes is there anything super interesting going on i mean quay devondre i i know the big news on devondre if you haven't been um keeping up was you know he said that he had a shoulder injury that he was playing through all last season which makes a lot of sense to me i mean we've talked about it on this podcast i don't know if you've talked about it i'm I'm sure you had the same thought um we usually kind of think in in the same ways but like devondre looked better after he came back from his knee injury yeah which is not something like you ever see in the nfl so that that kind of raised the red flag for me last year of like was something going on earlier in the year that like he didn't let us know about and apparently it was that shoulder so obviously the inside guys are are looking to bounce back um Corner seems pretty set right now. Jair Russell on the outside and Nixon in the slot, at least until uh Eric Stokes comes back. And then safety a little bit of a shakeup, right? Like Darnell Savage and Rudy Ford have been taking first team reps, um, or, or the first like first look, first team reps, um, throughout this entire offseason. And then today, Jonathan Owens got the
2: look over Ford, I believe. I think it was over Savage, and I, oh. I saw yeah, that, that that's right. what was interesting to me. So here's here's what happened though. So I didn't get to see I didn't see the save the backfield for the first two plays of team, and then it was the third play of team. And I look back there, and it was Tavarius Moore and Rudy. sorry, um, it was Rudy Ford and Jonathan Owens. And I'm like, I'm I'm looking around, and like, unfortunately, no one was by me to like see if I could, you know, collaborate and figure out if it was on the first rep as well. But even if it was the third rep, and even if Savage was in there right away in the first one, that's really been the first time where that early in team, we saw Darnell not on the field. And my guess is they didn't make any subs by that point. But again, I don't know a million percent for sure. But today was the first day where it was like really Ford's in there, Moore's in there, Savage is in there, Owens is in there, and they are just rotating those guys through without really any seemingly like advantage to any one player or like, you know, where in the past for the practice, it was very clear. Savage was the one. And then it was kind of like more of more and, um and uh Ford rotating between the other starting spot with maybe Owens getting sprinkled in a little bit. I think Owens has made the biggest jump of the, the four where he's very much in my opinion, in the starting conversation now, at least for now. And then um it, Savage seems to maybe now be in the conversation of like, all right, maybe Savage just doesn't just get the bye week into <laughs> safety number one to start the season. So we'll see. But that was today was the first day where it really seemed to, to ramp up the competition at safety. And that's interesting because I th- I think anyone who paid attention to this roster fully
1: thought that that was what we were going to see at, at, the entire summer, that that, that yeah. wasn't just going to start August 3rd. I think everyone thought that that was probably – I mean, probably that and right tackle were like the biggest – competitions on this team. Right. So yeah. Interesting. The, that the other thing story. I
2: would say at safety is I think innis is just purely basically a corner now. So he ended I the season that. in the slot. He's been in the slot primarily, and he works with the corners and individuals. So like, uh, you know, if anyone was maybe holding out hope that maybe innis was going to get his name in the conversation for the safe. I don't think that's happening. And I, have, as of this point, I don't think Anthony Johnson Jr. has done anything to get his name in the conversation for a starting safety spot either. So I think there, and even Dallin Lovett, I think, has seen more time, and it was very minimal, but he saw some time with the ones more than Anthony Johnson Jr., obviously, in his gains either. So I would say right now it very much seems that there are two spots up for grabs between Savage, Moore, Ford, and Owens, and I think it could be anyone's ballgame at this point.
1: As far as roster numbers go, because if Gaines – makes it as a slot right and you already have the three top guys stokes comes back now you have four locks plus gains plus maybe carrington valentine who's having a really good camp people are saying like i I wonder if cornerback is the new position where they load up all those special teams bodies rather than safety and maybe that means you know a guy like don levitt doesn't end up making this team i mean that would be a tough call
2: but It'll be interesting because I mean, so what I would argue is I don't think Keandre, Innes, or Shamar, especially Shamar, have had good camps so far. I think that all three of them, I think all three of them have struggled. That doesn't mean they can't make the team. And if Eric's not ready to go, probably someone has to make the team from that group. But I would also. Even then, I mean, you still have Ballantyne and. Yeah, that's Valentine true. Too, I would though. put Valentine ahead of all those guys. So like if yeah. I were to pick a six right now, assuming that Stokes is be healthy. I forgot about Valentine, by the way. That, that's, that's why I didn't bring up his name until now. Yeah, no, you're all good. But I, I would lean, I think Valentine's been pretty darn good. And I think he's a good special teamer as well. Yeah. But that's the six that I would pick if I were going into it today, assuming Stokes is healthy enough. I would say you're starting three, Stokes at four valentine at five valentine at six with maybe valentine getting active on game do- days and maybe valentine not until he's ready to like play special teams a little bit more but i i would that that's the six that i would go with if things were to like i i don't know what they're waiting for on Shamar honestly like to me it's like that's another one with like garvin and and hamilton where it's just Didn't, like, like
1: Shamar hasn't played since like week
2: seven of last year or something like that like probably shouldn't have played then either, but yeah. Um, I don't know. I th- That's one where if they wanted to go the Garvin route, I would not like, it, it just seems time. Yeah. I, I fully agree. And he was a pick. I didn't understand.
1: Carrington Valentine. I'm, I'm happy. He's kind of getting some recognition because he was the one guy I was watching those day three guys. I'm trying to think if there was an, Oh, Wicks. I mean, obviously I, I liked Wicks, um, especially his, 2021 film um but valentine was the other guy who i watched day three and i was like this guy like might be like actually a lot better than where they drafted him at and obviously like he needed to work as um on his tackling and and yeah. stuff like that but as which like, could um, still be an issue we'll see yeah. but as like a man cornerback i was like this is kind of like a better version of like kb and ento and ento was a guy that like they what they put like two years into him to Three, try to, i think yeah. three polish him up and i was so carrington making those plays i'm like we're ahead of schedule let's go hype train he's gonna
2: make the team that's where i'm man man cover corner that can't tackle he's gonna fit in just perfectly in this defense (laughs) (laughs) um let's one last thing special teams andres
1: carlson i saw you tweet out i can't remember the exact numbers but i calculated the percentage it was 59 percent field goal percentage for uh carlson in camp so far um if you're if you're taking notes at home or you want to look that up for reference, that would have been the second to worst field goal percentage in the entire league last year, behind one guy who kicked for the Lions who had four field goal attempts and he made half of them. So yeah. small sample size, obviously. Carlson is having a little bit of an up and down camp.
2: Yeah, I think he's sixteen of twenty seven so far Remember, right. yeah, sixteen of twenty seven. So fifty-nine point three percent basically. Um huge leg. No question about it. Ball sounds great from 60. It looked like it could have gone from like 60, 70. To eight. Yeah, honestly. Like he, he had the, the, the very funny thing is his two best kicks so far have been from like 52 plus, both of which had extremely high snaps, both had extremely I high snaps. Every, every tweet I see is he misses the
1: short one, makes the middle one last one's a high snap nails it. And could he crushes been, it. Could have been yep. good from
2: 65. I'm like like the, both, both of doing? them were high snap. And I was getting ready to be like, well, he missed this one, but it was 52 and the snap was insanely high. So like erase that one from the books. And then like it gets down and he gets up there and just like, I, both of these were like 53, 54 yarders. And when I say like it went through the middle of the uprights at the very top of the uprights, like at the very, like it was rushed both times. So if they can just snap it high every time, um, I think they're going to be fine. Aaron Nagler joke too, that like, if they could, if they can just get in a situation where the other coach ices him every time on the first kick so that he can go through that process and kick the first one and get that miss out of the way, then he should be good every time. So maybe they can ice him themselves. Like, I don't know, but, um, yeah, he just has to obviously get the consistency down. I think it's still too early to be panicked at this point, but, um, you would like a little bit better consistency, especially when he was a seventy-five percent kicker in college. Yeah, I'm wondering. So so this is over a span of two weeks, right? And you said what
1: was it, 26 attempts? That he uh, a kicker or something? Yeah, uh, sixteen of twenty-seven. Twenty-seven. And it's interesting because I mean, basically since the start of the pandemic, the Packers have made it a point with with the expanded practice squad and all that stuff, right? Um they've made it a point to have two kickers on the team at all times. And currently they only have one. And I don't know if that's, I think that was Mason
2: Crosby, uh, you know, trying to save him and not have him (laughs) have to kick. Like, honestly, that makes
1: makes sense. I, I don't
2: think they wanted him to have the full, like having to kick every day in practice. I mean, last year he was hurt. And then, but like the year, like even in the last couple of years, like I don't think they wanted him to have the full workload. I think they needed somebody to take a little bit off of him. I saw those kickoffs. You don't have to tell me twice. <laughs> um, so
1: Carlson, I I wonder if it's a thing. It's weird because I could I could see it both ways. I could see it like, all right, let's push this kid. Let's make sure that he's the guy that we want in on week one. And like, okay, if he has to be inactive, whatever. We rostered two kickers. There's. Worst things we could do, right? But then the other foot side of the coin is he's getting 26 kicks over a span of two weeks. Do we really want to cut those in half to give another kicker an opportunity and have this actually be a competition? I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is. As far as those high long snaps,
2: is it the same kid every time? Is it Matt or is it? I, I haven't seen who the long snapper is. Um, I oh, wow. I know. It's like the one thing like I can't bring myself to like it just I don't it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> like they're gonna keep one of them and then we'll see what happens from there. I don't care. I, I made that a point. I don't I don't scout long snappers was
1: part of my uh my my uh job description at XFL. They're like, Hey, is there any easy way we could do like long snapper analytics? I was like, I'm not spending I'm not I'm simply not spending time on this. It's it's not worth it.
2: I love right. when like Bill Belichick is looking at like spin rate for like the long snapper and stuff. And it's like, yeah, that's great. Psycho. Psycho. I know.
1: There's no way. There's no way. All right. Well, that was uh train. Oh, wanted to talk about one more thing. About yeah. This yeah. at the end. Um, Mark Murphy, Mark Murphy. One, he made some news earlier today. Um, 65%. His first, his first headline talking to, I don't even, I think it was like Larry McCarron and stuff like that. Um, saying, you know, hey, we want Aaron Rodgers to play 65%. It would be great if the Jets weren't any good because that means a higher pick for us. Like, yes! Voice of the fans! And then immediately something less endearing happens. Um, He was named a defendant in a lawsuit for Northwestern. So if you haven't been following college football recently, Northwestern has basically had this, like, massive hazing scandal that involves um, sexual assault and stuff like that. Um, Mark Murphy has been named as a defendant in two separate, uh, filings that happened today. So again, this is on Thursday. I think there's like 13 different lawsuits now involving like Pat Fitzgerald, who's the head coach of Northwestern at the time. Mark Murphy was the guy who hired Pat Fitzgerald as the full-time head coach there. Um, some of the allegations, this came from CBS news, including, includes, uh, black players being forced to compete in watermelon eating contests. So, so what he's being charged with is negligence here, right. Or or not charged, but what is being alleged, right. Is, is negligence. And there was a guy who had an attorney in his bio and responded, responded to me on Twitter. So you can go ahead and take it for a, a grain of salt if you want to, but he was basically like, that's a pretty hard charge to beat is negligence when you're in that type of position. So if if this stuff, can get proven in any sort of way. Just a terrible look on him, the program, Northwestern, everything Fitzgerald built in general. And, you know, Mark Murphy's kind of at the end of his tenure anyway. He said he wanted to retire at 70, like the day of his 70th birthday. Um, Basically seems like he wants to retire after he brings Green Bay that draft. But I don't know, man. I mean, this could – it wouldn't surprise me if this was an accelerated timeline based off of this. stuff. No, none of it's good. And I don't know. I'll, I'll give you a voice in a second. But like one thing that I think people are o- underlooking in this type of thing, um, because I talked to some college football media friends about this, is part of a huge part of Northwestern's problem is some of these alleged sexual assault uh, incidents happened across state lines at a camp in Wisconsin, so now you're dealing with cross-state line things, and happen with kids who are 17. So now yeah. you're talking about across-state lines with minors at a, state, at, at a university where mandatory reporting had been bypassed if anyone knew about it, right? And those are very serious charges, right? So obviously, like, Mark Murphy is not being charged with, like, facilitating this entire thing, but he is being um, hit with negligence.
2: Yeah, so here's here's what I'll say. I'll say a couple of things. So first of all, um, life sucks, right? And sports usually yeah. doesn't suck, and that's why I love sports so much and love talking Packers so much is because it's escape from life. And the worst stuff for me covering sports is anything <laughs> where life takes over, right? And you have the yeah. drama of life that takes over the, the highlight of sports. And that's like, when there's, when there's like a, you know, Tom Brady deflating a football scandal that goes on for a year. I'm like, Oh my God. Like what are like, (laughs) that's like the least of any worry ever. Like if that's going to be the scandal, like by all means, let's talk about uh, Tom Brady deflating a football. That is fine. It's this stuff that becomes like, just so hard to to digest and want to talk about. Like I saw the, the posting of the article and as somebody who is obviously credentialed and whatever, like I probably should go in and read it. I have, I had no interest. I don't, I don't even want to look at it because that's, that's not like the fun. I I would much justice. Let's go back to talking long snappers and spin rates, because (laughs) that is so much more fun to me than any of this stuff that comes up. But it's obviously an extremely serious allegation. Um, I certainly, you know, take it seriously as well. And, you know, I think what happens from here is going to be a potentially major story depending on what happens and, and the response to it, everything like that. So um I don't think it's probably anything that's going away anytime soon. And to your point, if, if anything comes of this, then yeah, like I think you could be looking at an accelerated timeline for Mark Murphy, whether that is just not just whatever I have no, I guess I didn't even read the article uh, at this point, but it definitely has the potential to be a big story. I don't think that it would be something that would, like overshadow the rest of the franchise and like be a issue for the team and like what they're trying to accomplish this year but it certainly could be something that is in the news involving mark murphy and involving the packers and it's just not something that you want going into a season obviously
1: yeah i mean as far as like just beyond the distraction of like the headlines and stuff like that um i mean i guess if you have to replace him it becomes like We need like a different person managing our boardroom situation i guess my guess is like ed
2: policy is ready to do that already and stuff and like if anything if you're mark and there's any like issue with it he probably just takes like a leave of absence right and let's just like the legal process play out or like i think there's a variety of different ways that they can kind of get out of it or not get out of it but like make it work so that it's not a distraction and that it's just it's mark as part of his time at northwestern and not mark and the green bay packers brought into this at least that would be my hope right um
1: I wonder – I do wonder because what the broadcast is – the broadcast of Family Night will be the first time that the Packers will be able to answer any of these questions in front of the media, right? Because yeah. there's no practice on Friday. No,
2: well, Goody talks on Friday. Oh, okay. So, okay. All right. I don't know if – my guess is Goody probably gets asked about it, but um, yeah, we'll see. That will be the first I mean, one on he Friday he speaks. Speak,
1: so. so I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's weird to ask another person about I don't know. Doesn't? Yeah. My it's, guess it's is he gets asked. My
2: guess is he can't. Like, what is he gonna? Like you said, what is he gonna say? Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe like, we're aware of it. Like, just the boilerplate classic NFL GM. Yeah,
1: exactly. Mm-hmm. I I think I think Murphy will be probably highlighted at some point on Family Night, and it'll be interesting to see if he gets asked about it because, you know, the the Family Night broadcast is ran by the Packers, Packers. television networks.
0: So, state news state yeah,
1: it's state-sponsored yeah, news. State news so it'll be interesting to see if he's asked um speaking of family night let's get this off on a football related note
2: on a high note
1: what are like give me two things that you're looking forward to on family night
2: yeah i mean i just obviously get a little bit more intensity with the fans there they did at the end of practice today they did a live tackling period with like the the super young kids like the bottom like probably like 20 guys on their roster, or I guess 24 guys on their roster. Like, I I hope that they maybe do something like that at the end too, where they give 10 minutes to the young players to maybe do a live tackling. Emmanuel Wilson had an awesome run where he's breaking through tack. He's a fun player. And then uh, Tyler Goodson had a 38-yard touchdown run during it. Like, um, that's, like, you can finally get a little bit more feel for the running backs, I feel like, when you actually get some live tackling and stuff. So I'm hoping they do a little bit of that. And then outside of that, I I want to see the Carrington Valentines. I want to see the Dontavian Wixes. I want to see some of those guys, and and just you know, I, I think we'll get a little bit of a better feel, even with just some of the the TV angles. Like when we're watching it from the media on the side, we're getting the sideline view, right? right. So like we're getting like the worst it's, view.
1: It's, it's so yeah, it's. Yeah, so
2: I'm, I'm hoping that we get a little bit of a better angle for the Sean Ryan's and the Devontae Wyatt's and the Carl Brooks's and the Colby Woodens because you can see if somebody broke through, but even then, it's like hard. It's like you're then you're figuring out like, all right, who did he get past, and like it's so hard to see. So I'm hoping we can see a little bit that better on even on some of the TV angles and stuff.
1: I I was gonna say Valentine. I was gonna say Wicks. Uh, the the other names I'd throw out there. Um, I want to see Ryan again. Yeah, I want to see what he can do. I want to see if he's taking that jump. And then the other thing is those young interior defensive linemen, right? Carl Brooks, oh. Kobe Wooden, because those guys are going to be involved in the rotation at some point. Um, pro tip for those of you who uh, aren't in the uh, the the region where uh, you know the Packers television network is going to be out there, there's an app or there's a Chrome extension called Location Guard. That will be a very helpful friend if you have like YouTube TV. I am someone who wishes the Packers would just stream it for like five bucks on their website. I don't know why they go don't. They could have made money. Yeah, just it, I would have paid the five bucks though. I have to get YouTube TV to be able to watch it, and I have to pretend I live in a lake in Madison. And that's how I'm going to watch it. I'm going to chart it. I'm excited. Packers
2: football is back, baby. Let's go!
1: Can't wait. Plug all, plug all your stuff again. Let the people know where they can find you.
2: Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Packaday Podcast. And of course, you can find the podcast on YouTube as well as wherever you get your favorite podcast as well. So make sure to check it out. Subscribe. Do all the things Justice mentioned at the onset. Please, please
1: support him. Please support him. He's doing the good work. He's one of my favorite voices in, in Packers media. Appreciate I read you, him all the time. I pop into his, his video chats every once in a while. Check him out. Um, as far as my end... Check us up on APC. We have all the, the rundowns of you know people's tweets and stuff and videos um, from training camp, all the breaking news, all the weird little transactions, the churning that they're doing at the bottom of the roster, family nights right around the corner. We'll have a breakdown of what happened then and then some snap breakdowns and stuff so you guys can see who's working with the first, second, third team, all that stuff. So keep tuned there. Keep tuned to the feed, five-star reviews, all that. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.